Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Are you confident that there's something more than this life? Yes, yeah, we gotta be confident of that. So we are confident, if you have a faith in Jesus, that this isn't all that there is, that even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord yet. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Because if you see it, it's not faith, it's fact. But at this point, we live by faith. Yes, we are fully confident, as you just said, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Unlike any other time, people are asking the question, is the end near? We have wars and rumors of wars, natural disasters, pandemics, and persecution. In this series, Pastor Philip is going to dive deep into the topic of end times as we study the book of Revelation, 1 Thessalonians, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and many other biblical prophecies. What we will find in this series is that Christians should not be scared of the end, but recognize God is bringing all things to a perfect ending. Please enjoy the message. We are going to be wrapping up a series that we started at the beginning of this month entitled Perfect Ending. And what we've done through this journey is we've focused on uh, the end times and the events that would lead up to Christ's return. And we've looked at that from a few different vantage points and that progression that takes place there. But today, as we wrap all this up, uh, Perfect Ending is I want to take a few moments to talk about more than likely the end that all of us will experience. And it's not necessarily the end of Jesus returning, that type of an end. It's an end in which we breathe our last. It's an end that's about death. And so in this weekend, as we reflect upon and we consider Memorial Weekend and we consider those that have lost their lives, we ought to consider what the Bible says about all of that, what the Bible has to say about this topic of, of again, death. And I think it's a very important, it's obviously a very relevant subject for each and every one of us. And I'm grateful that you're here today, that you made a church service a priority on a memorial weekend, because I believe that God's got something for you, that there is something here that needs to be said to you, and you're here to hear that, and I'm, I'm certainly very grateful for that. Now, when it comes to this particular topic, you've got a few different approaches that people often take. There's the approach of denial when it comes to the subject of death. And, and these are the type of individuals, they don't wanna talk about death, they don't want to go to a cemetery, they don't wanna to go to a funeral. It's just not something that's ever going to get brought up around them. And it's certainly that they don't want to ever have brought up around them. It's not something that they ever wanna have discussed and they're just in denial about death. And then there are those that are obsessive of death and, and every, every uh, headache is cancer or sometimes of tumor and every pain is a heart attack and every Christmas is probably going to be the last Christmas that you ever see them and so there's some people that are just obsessed with the topic of death and they think that they're not going to make it much much longer than whatever time it is that they think that they have left and then there are those that are extremely confident they know where they're at with the Lord they know that they have a they have a, a savior who will not disappoint a Lord who will lead and they know that Jesus had prepared a place for them and And they are confident in that. And so death is something that they are not concerned about one iota. And then there are those that are probably, I would say, most of us, that may be a little bit afraid. Because death is unknown. Death is something that we've never experienced before. It goes against our instinct, which is to live. And we aren't really sure what is next. 
is there something? Isn't there something? Maybe you haven't studied the scriptures. Maybe you have. But when it comes to this particular topic, we're going to look into the Bible and do two things today. We're going to look at a biblical view of death. And then my goal is to help you to have a biblical approach to handling death. And so with that being said, that's going to require us to look at a lot of Scripture. So if you're ready to look at, I mean, you're ready to look at a lot of Scripture today. I mean, that's why you kind of come to church. I was just reading Isaiah 55. You know what Isaiah 55 says? It says that his word doesn't return void. So to me, that means that I need to share a lot of his word in order to make sure that there is fruit that comes for that, comes from that. So if you're ready for his word, say I'm ready. There you go. There we go. So we're going to pick up now 1 Corinthians 5. For we know that when this earthly tent, and what is the earthly tent? The body. There you go. Some of you went to Sunday school this morning, or at some point anyway. Earthly tent. We live in is taken down. That is when we die and leave this earthly body. We will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in this present body, and so we have torn meniscus, torn meniscus and torn rotator cuffs. And we have a body that is breaking down, receding hairlines, graying hair, thinning hair. You know what I'm talking about. All of that is what this speaks to is a body that is breaking down. And we long to put on a heavenly body like new clothing. That has none of that taking place within it. For we will put on a heavenly body. We will not be spirits without body. And so that's referring to a future resurrection. While we live in these earthly bodies, though, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on a new body so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by by life. And so there's hope that this isn't all that there really is. And then Paul, he continues on. So we are always confident. Can you say to the person next to you, I'm confident? I'm con- are you confident that there's something more than this life? Yes, yeah, we gotta be confident of that. So we are confident, if you have a faith in Jesus, that this isn't all that there is, that even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord yet. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Because if you see it, it's not faith, it's fact. But at this point, we live by faith. Yes, we are fully confident, as you just said. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. As one translation says, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. And we will talk about that in a moment. Because even if you believe in Jesus, guess what? You still get judged. What do I mean by that? Well, again, I'll get to that in a second. We will each receive what we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. And you know what Paul is teaching us here? He is telling us that what you believe about eternity will impact the way you live today. And so if you believe that you're an accident, you're probably going to live selfishly. If you're somebody that isn't exactly sure, then you're probably going to live with a lot of anxiety. But again, if you are somebody who is confident, that's probably going to cause you to maybe share a little bit of your faith. That's probably going to cause you to be a little bit more generous because you know that you really have a heavenly treasure waiting on you. That's going to cause you to maybe not be as anxious and not be as scared. And you're going to be able to live maybe a little bit more boldly, dangerously. Because what you believe about eternity will impact your life. And so what happens when you die? I'm going to share three things that happen to you that will happen to me 
when we die. And the first is this, is that when we die, our physical body will die. Your physical body, like you have a soul, which is your consciousness, that's your emotions, that's your intellect. We'll talk about that in a moment. But that is going to be separated from your body. And so your body is indeed going to die. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, each person is destined to die once. How many times are you going to die? Once. That's right. You're going to die once. And after that comes judgment. And so we're all destined to die one time, that body of yours. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We would love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com for more information. And again, those Sunday service times are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. Now let's get back to our program. This, just a few weeks ago, my family and I, we were, we were on a beach. And as we were on this particular beach, um, we saw a lot of different things. We saw hermit crabs that were there. We saw sand fleas as well. That's incredible. If you ever do some shore fishing, sand fleas are great bait to use if you want to catch you a nice fish. But in the course of this, the water was nice and clear. We also had a black tip shark swim in on the shore to where we were at, literally within five, 10 feet of us. Fortunately, it wasn't exactly a big black tip. It was about three and a half feet in length. But as these fish were swimming around, they wanted, that black tip wanted those fish that were around us and these other creatures that were there too. Now, when you see a shark, I mean, I don't know what it is when, that you think, but I think of Jaws when I see a shark. And it didn't work out too well for the people in the movie Jaws, all right? They did not do that good there. But, but then I did a little bit of research and I found out that you are more likely to die from a champagne cork than to die from a shark. Did you know that? You're more likely to die from having your head stuck in a vending machine than to die by a shark. True story. You're more likely to die, catch this, by bad handwriting than you are by a shark bite. Now what am I talking about there? I'm talking about that doctor of yours that scribbles something on the paper and then the pr pharmacist can't read it. That, will, that has a better chance to kill you than a shark has to kill you. My point is, is like, hey, at some point we're all gonna go and unfortunately some go through means like that. Others of us go through other means. But, but there's a tendency of ours to get caught up with this and we need to understand that this is something that's gonna to come to each and every one of us, but it's our body that dies, not our soul. So we go, Ecclesiastes said it this, all go to the same place, all come from dust and all, and to dust all return. Death is absolutely certain. We all return. And the Bible tells us that we are nothing but dust. 
I was telling this, I was just telling this to one of my kids that we were nothing but dust and, and my daughter looked at me and looked at me a little funny and, because I said, we are but dust. And I said, no, no, we're nothing but dust. And then she said, somebody must have wrote that wrong because you just said, I'm but, I'm but dust. I said, no, never mind. We're nothing but dust. <laughs> but to dust we all return. And so when we die, our bodies, our bodies die also. But with that, your soul will then be separated from your physical body. Matthew chapter 10 tells us this. Your soul goes on and he says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both, body, both soul and body. And so there is a separation there between soul and body. There's this acknowledgement that the soul is going to go on but the body does not. In John chapter 11, Jesus comes upon uh, Martha and Mary. Lazarus, Lazarus, his good friend, has already passed away. And with Lazarus having passed away, he's been in a tomb for three days. And Jesus is going to come to this hopeless situation and bring hope to it. And he says, I want you to move that stone away. And in the King James Version, the people there, in that King James proper, holy, righteous version, they said, but Jesus, he stinketh. True story. He stinketh. And indeed, when your body is left behind, it is going to deteriorate. It is going to decompose. It will stinketh. But your soul, you are still alive. The body is just left behind. And so Jesus says this to them. He says, I am, though, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. In other words, the world may say you are dead, but you are not dead. Your body has just been left behind and your soul, your soul is one that continues on. In Luke chapter 23, Jesus is between two thieves. One is antagonizing him and the other is pleading for mercy. And as he pleads for mercy of Jesus, Jesus did not look at that thief that was asking for Jesus to remember him. He did not, Jesus did not look at this man and say, you know, you've done too many bad things in this life. I'm not going to remember you. He didn't say that. He could have said that, but he doesn't say that. He, Jesus did not look at this man and say, you know what, I'm going to send you to a place where you're going to work out these sins that you have committed in this life, and then eventually you'll get to me. I'm referring to purgatory. He didn't say that. Jesus didn't look at him and say, you know what, you're going to stop breathing, and then I'm going to put you in a place where you're going to essentially not have any consciousness. It's going to be like you are sleeping. You are heavily sedated, you might say. You're under the type of anesthesia that's going to knock you out, and you're not going to remember any of it. And then one day, you're just going to wake up, and all of a sudden, your soul, your consciousness will be reunited with a resurrected body. That's a concept that's known as soul sleep, which some believe, but it is not biblical. Jesus didn't say any of those things. In Luke 23, Jesus said this, as the man said, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and Jesus replied, I assure you today, because Jesus knew that man would die on that day. Jesus knew that he was going to die on that day. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And that ought to give every single person in this room some hope and encouragement. As you might have a little bit of fear of death. You don't have to because Jesus said to this man, today you will be with me. 
And then the Bible goes on, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. So Paul is conflicted in this particular text. Should I live or should I die? Either which way, I could go be with Christ which would be amazing or I can stay here which I don't want to do but it's still fruitful. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And the point that I'm making is that Paul knew whenever he breathed his last, he would be able to continue on. He knew that. He could continue on, but he decided in the midst of this that God wanted, he realized in the midst of everything going on that God wanted him to stay for fruitful labor. The third thing is this, and I already alluded to this, that when your life ends, you will face judgment. Now there's two judgments that I'm referring to here. First Peter says this, and remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So judgment is certain. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. In other words, this isn't your home. You are a passer through. You're gonna enter through into a more eternal home that is to come. The two judgments are these. There is one that most scholars think that people go through and it's called the great white throne judgment. Now that happens at the end of time and we've talked about that in the past over this series. That the great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. So that'll happen when Jesus returns, all of time is consummated and he will judge you if you don't believe in him. You will get judged by what it is that you have done. But it also is a throne and a judgment that you will have to deal with if you don't believe in Jesus and you pass away between now and the time he returns. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. If you'd like to become a partner of ours, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website at valleyviewcc.com. It's there that you can click on the Give tab, and then you can designate your gift to go to the Hope for the Day ministry. And we would love it if you would partner with us in this way, and I know many others would as well. If you are in the Denver metropolitan area, we wouldn't want you to just be a supporter of ours. We want you to attend one of our services in person to be a part of the experience that we have here at Valley View Christian Church. We offer three service times on Sunday at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And it's at each one of these services that we record the messages that you hear here on Hope for the Day. Now let's get back to today's broadcast.
The great white throne judgment is something that every unbeliever in Jesus will get put before. And this is what the Bible says about that in Revelation. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done. And that is so important here. Because when you don't believe in Jesus, essentially, you have made yourself your own savior. In other words, you are trusting in your own self-righteousness. See, people will ask the question, um, if I am gay, does that mean I go to hell? Well, of course not. Being, being homosexual would not make somebody go to hell. Being heterosexual is not gonna get you into heaven. It doesn't work like that. Trusting in your own righteousness is what will get you to hell. Because it is in trusting in your own righteousness that you are making yourself a savior of yourself and you are gonna be brought before that great white throne judgment and there you are gonna get judged according to what you wanna get judged by. Not by how you did in comparison to this person or that person, but how you did in comparison to the one whose image you've been made in which is God's. And so at that moment, you are judged according to what you have done as recorded in the books because it's all recorded. Every thought, every word, every action, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into a lake of fire. And in Matthew 7, there's a very sobering verse, I think for all of us here especially. It's a verse that I, I chew on periodically and it's a verse that's incredibly convicting. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? In other words, Jesus, didn't, didn't, we, didn't we go to an Easter service every once in a while in your name? Didn't we give a little bit of money every once in a while in your name? Jesus, didn't I, didn't I help my neighbor the other day in your name? But then Jesus will look at that person and will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. And the key word there is knew you. In other words, there's a relationship. Like, if you're just trusting in what it is that you have done, or if other people in this world are just trusting in what they have done, it's not gonna be good enough because the only one that can be really trusted in is Jesus, and it's not about what we have done, it's about what he did for us. And that's how we get through this judgment that is to come. The second judgment is this, is the judgment seat of Christ, and that's for believers. Second Corinthians chapter five says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is in reference to a Bema seat, or Bema seat, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so you are going to receive a judgment even if your faith is in Jesus, but it won't be a judgment of salvation, it'll be a judgment of works. And so this word judgment here is actually, again, Bema, and this Bema is, it is a celebration that you have finished the race. In ancient times, a Bema seat was a seat that a judge of a particular race, whether it was Olympic race or some other type of athletic event, would sit on a seat and that judge would evaluate how 
the people who participated in that particular event, that race did, and then they would receive a reward accordingly as the judge was on the Bama seat. So they would celebrate the finished race and then reward the race participant accordingly to how they competed. And so everyone is going to face judgment of some fashion. The judgment seat of Christ is not a place of judgment for your sins though. It's a judgment for the life that you are lived because we are saved by grace, but we are rewarded for works. Each of us, as Romans 14 says, will give an account of ourselves to God. And that ought to inspire, encourage. There's opportunity in that. And what will you be rewarded for? Well, the Bible, the Bible tells you. And interestingly enough, it might not be what you think it will be for. What are you gonna be rewarded for? What are you gonna be evaluated on? right? The best bosses always say, hey, this is what your evaluation is going to be. In three months, we're going to meet. In four months, we're going to meet. Six months, we're going to meet. And these are the five things that we're going to look at. Well, the Bible gives us that. You'll be judged for how you cared for the least of these. You'll be judged for your motives, for the actions that you, that you have. You will be judged for the words that you speak. You'll be judged for how you endure suffering. You'll be judged for what, you have been, for what you have done with what you've been given and how you have used it. You'll be judged for helping to lead people to faith in Christ. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.